Hey, who made you with this, Jackie? Welcome from all of us to all of you. If you want to know how glad we are to have you with us, just you listen. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast. Again, finally, I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. It's episode 147. We're several weeks late. We tried to broadband the reason why we, we were going to have a show last week. Really? Um, so, yeah, it's a, I have found that even though we put up a post on our main website, uh, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com, not everybody comes and gets the podcast that way, uh, so people don't necessarily see it. Not everybody likes our Facebook page. So here's what happened. Funny story. <laughs> Amanda and I were both on vacation this week. Yes. Uh, it was my first vacation in about 11 months, like real vacation, like several days off. I don't have to do shit. You know, visiting my parents is not a vacation. It's, it's a thing that I have to do. And I'm not at my job, but it's not like I'm not putting forth a lot of effort (laughs) hiding who I really am to the people who gave birth to me, (laughs) trying to watch TV sober, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, it, it may not be a vacation to them either. Oh, I'm I'm sure it's pure hell. I'm sure it's, I, I'm not very easy to get along with. I don't know if you've noticed. Look at him try. His, his hands, they don't stop shaking. He wakes up screaming four or five times a night. Collapses in the backseat of the car whenever we go anywhere. Oh, Just like when he was six months old. <laughs> he's our baby. He shit himself again. God bless him. But anyway. But this was not that kind of vacation. This is just, I we were going to relax the entire week. No particular plans, no nothing. Which means on Friday night we got shit-faced. Mm. Like you read about. Now, I was, it was a, epic. Yeah, and I was a little out of practice because <laughs> I've been trying to cut back on the booze during the week. So this is my first good drunk in like five or six days. And uh, I fall asleep. And Amanda tries to send me to bed, which would be a reasonable thing to do around midnight when... You're so drunk you can't stay awake through a movie. I instead had the genius idea, oh no, I bet coffee will keep me awake. But I've had like 12 beers, I can't stop drinking, I'll Irish this mother up. So I brew a pot of coffee, somehow don't burn the house down, that's a good start. Mm. It's a good beginning. It is. That's as good as it got. (laughs) Never got any better than that. I get the one Irish coffee down my head, and everything's fine. But now I've switched from beer to whiskey, so everything's ticking over that much faster. I pour another cup and go upstairs to the office where we're watching TV and where the computer where I edit this show is sitting on my desk. And uh, even though this is a travel mug, I decided I don't need to have the lid on the travel mug, nor hold it with any particular grip, because I dropped it on my desk and it tipped over and spilled almost the entirety into the power supply intake of the computer it was a quick and painless death Uh, well it was quick (laughs) i don't know how painless it was so yeah a lot of our post-production element a whole bunch of stuff including the pre-configured editor that has everything we was gone and i had to rebuild that during the course of the week so my vacation from my day job which has to do with computers was working on fucking computers all week long so (laughs) karma uh yeah i'm gonna need another vacation for my (laughs) vacation but the thing is built. There's now a new network attached storage device in a completely different room because I'm a good drinker, but even I'm not so good I can be shit-faced in two rooms at once. <laughs> God damn this fucking computer. This is why I need a new computer. 
We will not be restarting now. Anyway. <laughs> I recovered most of the data that we need, so everything should be back in order. But yeah, it was just all of a sudden, it's like, well, we can't do a show. I've got no place to even remotely put it to get, like, even live to tape. I still have to lay in elements, and, you know, the machine that we actually recorded on is not that high-powered. You can't really no. do very much with it. So... <laughs> So yeah, that was uh, that's why we were a couple of weeks uh, late. We apologize and uh, would like to thank each of you who. There were a few people who actually reached out to make sure we weren't dead because if you listen to this show, we could wind up dead very quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's not really a matter of of if; it's a matter of when. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I had a buddy uh, when I put the post on Facebook to say while well, we were late. <laughs> he posted, "Well, at least it died shit faced." To which I could only reply, that's going to be the epitaph for everybody who's in this house. Pretty much, except for the cat. Uh, Even he could be driven to drink at any point. I I couldn't believe it. It, Even as hammered as I was, I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) And Amanda, you were great. You're like, just let it dry out. I'm like, this was coffee and cream and whiskey. (laughs) You can let it dry out all day long. Pack it with rice? I don't know. Yeah. Oh, it's going to take more than rice. You'd have to put pizza in the thing to recover from that drunk. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes, but the, the there's a new built machine, multiple monitors, redundant backups. Everything, knock wood, should be fine from here on out, except for the drinking. <laughs> I noticed that all of your uh, beverage containers all have, all have lids now when you're near the computer. Yeah, well, it's, it's also the reason this loss wasn't completely catastrophic. It's I did lose one. To, the machine had three hard drives. I lost one of them. Uh, the other couple, uh, since they were encrypted, it was hard to get stuff off of them. But I have a Blu-ray burner, so I backed up a bunch of stuff because I learned the hard way when I was 15 years old and had written a 50-page paper on Watergate. Mm. And the floppy disk, the old-school five-and-a-quarter-inch oh, floppy God. disk, went bad. <laughs> And I had no backup. <laughs> and me and, a, me and a friend had to literally rebuild the disk manually with a hex editor Ugh. and rebuild all the links to the file. And I was able to get the paper out. But yeah, after that, I learned to have backups. And this just taught me, okay, have better backups. Because I did lose some stuff. Mm. But now you've gained some stuff. Yeah, it's, I didn't lose the important stuff. I burned my family alive. <laughs> and I like to light things on fire. And once I got the thing hooked up, I, I found the... Uh, Oh, this is exactly what I thought when I when I poured the the coffee into the computer. Oh, I wish I was dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's some new elements too. I, I think what that clip teaches us is, at least you didn't drop a unicorn frappuccino into the computer, because <laughs> then it would have like shit glitter and died or something. <laughs> yes, that's true. That was from uh, the, the the late show this week. He yeah. drank one of those god awful concoctions. Oh. And uh, I don't pay a lot of attention to the Colbert show ever since he gave up the character. But as soon as I heard that, I'm like, I must, I must. Oh, <laughs> I wish I was dead. I need that to be on the soundboard. <laughs> We're just going to narrowly skirt the possibility that this entire show could just be that and the I burn my family alive on a loop for 45 minutes. Oh, that's all we have to do? Why did I spend the money on a new computer? <laughs> I could have made this one do that. Shit. I could have bought a new couch, which I spilled beer on last night. <laughs> yeah, you didn't even get it done like your front like somehow you poured it down your back i have in your sleep with god as my witness i have no idea how i did this i woke up at six o'clock this morning upright on the couch (laughs) with my back soaked (laughs) 
<laughs> not just because it's like shitty bonded leather. No, like you poured a beer on you. Well, th- I thought it's first. I'm like, wow, I must have really been sweating a lot. And then no, when I got a, I went, then I went to bed. And when I got up a couple hours later, I sniffed the shirt. I'm like, this is beer. <laughs> and it, not on the front of my clothes. <laughs> The couch isn't wet. I pulled the cushions. There's no dampness underneath. There's nothing behind the couch. But somehow I poured beer down my back. I don't know if That's I pro work. I don't know if I thought I saw a bee and maybe I was trying to kill the bee with beer. Maybe. Maybe I thought he was a friendly beer, a bee, and he needed to chill the fuck out so he didn't sting me. I don't know. It's uh, these things happen to me, and I don't understand. Because you drink. Well, yes, that's obviously the, <laughs> the solution would be to stop drinking. But why the f- why? <laughs> Sober well, people don't have these kind of stories. The couch smells like beer now. And yeah, nobody ever said, Jesus. I, I woke up confused with coffee on my back. If they <laughs> if they do have that story, someone's done something to them. There's a tragedy at the end of that story. If you have that story, please email us at crisisoninfinitelylives at gmail That's right. We're gonna we'll hook you up on the air. <laughs> I mean, that's a story that starts with there's coffee on my back and ends with guilty. (laughs) Somebody's going to jail and it's not you. You're the victim in that story. Wow, that's 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 a lot nicer than it it starts with coffee on my back and then somehow there's bukkake. (laughs) And that story ends with, oh, I wish I was dead. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here saying, God, I'm going to need a vacation for my vacation. That's the other good news that we intended to talk about last week, which is we are going back to cover San Diego Comic-Con again for the first time in three years. Yes. We were able to get tickets for Thursday and Sunday, although we've got a friend of the show who's trying to back-channel, fill in the rest of it. But uh, And you might be asking, well, why didn't you just uh, apply for press credentials? And amazingly, they don't consider somebody who destroys their equipment with Irish whiskey to be, you know, a professional journalist. <laughs> and it's hard for me to blame them. That's a hard story to then say, and can you credential me, please? Oh, yes, I poured beer on my back in my sleep. <laughs> hey, Lou, you're never going to believe this. This guy showed up at the press office. His back reeked of beer. <laughs> And he was recording on an old <laughs> Diane-style Twin Peaks tape recorder because he, he said he destroyed his computer with Irish whiskey. <laughs> yeah, of course. Let's give him free passes to the biggest pop culture event in North America. What could go wrong? Yeah, what could go wrong is uh, it wouldn't even bother. Wouldn't even bother. There's no. We didn't even apply this year. We just did the regular sales. Yes, but and, but we got lucky. We got lucky because our. Uh, uh, Entry into the lottery, uh, where we actually were able to get the tickets kicked in at about the time they were beginning to talk up. It's okay if there's only Sunday passes left. Sunday passes are good. Come on, Sunday. Promise. Won't suck. (laughs) And that's fine if you're logged into your computer from... What's a town near San Diego? I don't even know. Chula Vista. Yeah, if you're in Chula Vista, that's that's a message that you don't mind hearing. Yeah. Coming from Boston. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't go into downtown Boston just for a one-day comic book convention. Yeah, I mean, if, it, if we're there for Sunday, there are only so many donkey shows on the other side of the border. <laughs> you can't cross the border anymore. You'll be immediately kidnapped and killed. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. <laughs> you wake up with coffee on your back. <laughs> No good stories in, no good in stories. Tijuana anymore. <laughs> uh, how was your trip to Tijuana? Oh, I wish I was dead. <laughs> it started with mezcal, and then I woke up with beer on my back. 
Except your story would end with, I burn my family alive. I like to light things on fire. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> I'm not your family. You would want to do that. <laughs> so it's, if, you've, if you've never tried to get just general sales Comic-Con tickets, it's not as bad as it used to be. It used to be the old school, first come, first serve. The server gets destroyed. You're hitting F5 over and over again and hoping the page will load. And if you're blindly lucky, you can get in. It's it's not as bad as that in certain ways. Although in that one, you at least had this feeling of control because you could, you know, as long as you were assured that your, your mouse clicking finger foo was strong, you probably would get tickets. Yes. <laughs> I mean, Jesus, in our first year... <laughs> The 2006, it was literally, okay, we got the flight, we got the hotel, we're leaving in a couple of weeks. Shit, I better buy five-day passes. Fuck, I almost forgot. <laughs> I have no problem. It's not like that anymore. No. But now now the, the, the situation, what you have to do is you go to a website. The sales start at noon Eastern time. So you need to log into the website with your special code uh, sometime between 11 and noon. And it's no longer a big deal to do that. Servers don't time out. Yep. It's, you get in and it parks you in what they call a waiting room, which is all text with a little yellow area where they put up messages trying to be funny. Yes. And they are funny until the sales start and they're interspersed with messages of Saturday is sold out and Friday is sold out. Then, then the humor's kind of lost on you. Yeah, because you've at best you've pissed away a Saturday, or an hour of Saturday, or two hours of Saturday to do this. Right. And the worst part is at the bottom right corner, the spinning blue wheel of failure. <laughs> it's just like a little Apple pinwheel type thing that they say, as long as this is spinning, you're still waiting. So you're just staring at this hypnotic taunting somehow blue circle of doom at the very least they don't play the jeopardy theme because that would send it right over no that that would leave that would end in gunfire across the world (laughs) of people pouring irish coffee directly into their computers (laughs) fuck you blue circle (laughs) but and and at this point we've done it a couple years and haven't gotten anything so it's it was almost the gallows humor started almost immediately. And yeah. we just said, all right, we'll just uh, spend extra money on Boston Comic Con or we'll see if we can find something else to go to. And, you know, and yeah, as soon as, because we had said the only way we're going to go is if we can get at least two days. Yeah. And as they said, Saturday is sold out and then Friday is sold out. It's like, all right, fuck it. Oh, we're in. Holy yeah. shit. <laughs> and that's when the adrenaline hits. And it's like, all right, shit, we're going back. I can't make any mistakes when I fill out this fucking form. If I make mistakes, not only will they take my money, but I won't get my passes. Shit. <laughs> but I need to do it fast because if I don't fill out the form before one of these days sell out, I'm not going to get it. So even though it says the session stays open 15 minutes, it really becomes a race against your own shaking hands yeah. to make sure that you can get your shit in there. Well, I mean, there was a moment where I left my seat before we got in and I was, I wanted to have my my debit card handy on the off chance we got in, I'm like, I'm probably jinxing myself. The the mere act of going to go get my card is, is karmically putting this out of reach. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, we were, uh, that was stage one. We've actually got the tickets, so we'll be doing at least one show from San Diego. Maybe more. It's, we'll see. Uh, if we can fill in the other seats. The, the next thing is hotel sales. Wednesday. Which happens on Wednesday. And that's another thing of sit and wait and the... I, since I haven't done the hotel sales, I don't know if it's still the same anymore. But, yeah, for, but for a while it was, okay, the website goes live at noon and you've got literally seconds. You've got probably two minutes 
to get your shit in, pick your hotels in order, and press the button, or you ain't getting shit. Yes. So we've got a backup room booked. I would much rather go through the convention because, number one, you save a lot of money, uh, and number two, yeah, our backup hotel's like seven miles out. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a lot of Uber on top of extra money. Yes. So that's yeah, it's very exciting, at least for us. It is. It is, although I'm saddened to, to find out that our favorite taco place is closed. Yeah, that was always one of our secret things that I swore we would never tell anybody. But yeah, there was a place, Taco Express, in the fucking Bail Bonds District. It was. Like a good mile away from the convention center in a neighborhood that we've been in at night. <laughs> I one don't recommend time. that. <laughs> yeah, one time. No coffee was found on our backs, no. but it was a dicey thing, it felt like, for a while. Yeah. But yeah, it was a, it was a hole-in-the-wall, one-room restaurant with a... The only seating was like under a patio outside, mm. but because of where it was in relation to the convention center, you could get in. It was never crowded, and you could get a breakfast burrito with potatoes and chorizo or carnitas and eggs, a really substantial breakfast for like 15 bucks, including a $5 tip. Yeah. So you could eat there and not go broke, and that's half the battle with San Diego is where can we eat where we don't have to wait two hours and actually get something that's worthwhile that isn't $50. Right. So we yeah, have no, to find would, a new one. That, that, that's a loss. That one stings. And they remembered us every year, which was cool. <laughs> yeah, it was the weirdest fucking thing. We went, the first time was 2007. Yep. And went back the next year. It's like, hey, you're back. You're back from <laughs> Boston. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> How do you, what? <laughs> See, they, they probably don't drink. Well, fuck them. It's probably what it's like to have a like, functioning brain stem or something. Yeah, now their <laughs> restaurant's been torn down. I win. I don't, I don't know. No, we lose. We lose. <laughs> Rest in peace, Taco Express. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I wish I was dead. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll have more information about how we're going to deal with uh, Comic-Con and when we'll put up shows as it gets closer and we have an idea where we're staying and what kind of internet we're going to have and whether or not we can pass off the digital recorder to uh, to our one friend of the show who somehow gets into Hall H all the time. Yeah. So it'd be nice to get audio of one of those big ones, particularly if we can't get in on, on Friday or Saturday. Do you think there's people already lined, lined up at Hall H? Uh, in my mind, I'd like to believe that there are. <laughs> I don't think there are yet. I don't, I, they really do start lining up outside Hall H. If you're not, we're just flinging these terms around. Like, everybody's been to Comic-Con before. Yeah. Uh, Hall H is the big room. It's uh, the 6,000-seater where Marvel Studios and all the big movie studios do their uh, sneak previews to get everybody hyped up. Right. So, and yeah, ever since Twilight. Twilight was the real... Mm. Twilight ruined Comic-Con. That's I think they still have signs of that shit out there. But yeah, that's when people started to line up the day before to get in. Because they don't clear the room in between panels. No. So you can sit there all day long. And yes, if seeing Twilight or... you know. Dr. Miss McGillicuddy's home for misfit mutant spastic children or whatever the latest young adult feature to be created into a movie. I'm not plugged in with the kids. Clearly. They don't let me near kids <laughs> for obvious reasons. But I, yeah, if, if Who that... Who poured beer on your back, Jimmy? <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's people started lining up the, the day before because yeah, if, you, if your panel is at five that you want to see... You will sit there at 8.30. That's not how I want to spend a vacation. No. I get why people do it, but 
it's a hard thing to even say, oh, I was in the same room with Robert Downey Jr. Well, no, you were in the same fucking hall. The same zip code. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's this big hall. <laughs> it's, it's like going to a rock concert at a football stadium. Yeah. You, know, you wind up watching everything on the big screens anyway, because you're too far away to see what's going on on the actual stage. Yeah. And half that shit's on YouTube the next day anyway. So Yeah. No, whatever weird fan value of I was in the same room as Captain America, it, it's it's not worth it. In our opinion, yeah, your mileage may vary. Yep, uh, the last one we went to was for uh, Zack Snyder's Watchmen, mm. and and we've told that story before. It was bad line management. We managed to cut in front of about seven thousand people <laughs> in a way that we had plausible deniability, so that nobody yeah. would kick our ass. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we managed to get in. But even then, it was, uh, okay. Particularly with Watchmen, it was like nobody knew who any of the actors were except Billy Crudup. When your name star is Billy Crudup and the kid from the Bad News Bears, you're not getting a lot of, I was in the same room with the kid from the Bad News Bears. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that poor son of a bitch. Rorschach was supposed to make was it Jackie Earl Haley. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, he's still the kid from the Bad News Bears. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my impression of Jackie O'Haley. Oh, I wish I was dead. <laughs> I think he's been in some other things lately. Uh, I forget he was, what. He was in The Human Target okay. TV show. He was Freddy Krueger in the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay. Uh, he has uh, been in something recently, but he, he was not the name star driving the project, whatever it was. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's done some stuff. You know, certainly more than... Tatum O'Neill has <laughs> from Bad News Bears, but True. whatever. <laughs> Poor guy. Don't go to Hall H. I think it's ultimately that that that's our message. That's our big message. They got my dick message. <laughs> <laughs> so anything else? Uh, so yeah. To recap, uh, sorry, I was drunk, mm. and uh, we will have shows from Comic Con. Okay. That was twenty minutes. You know what? What? I think I just figured out how how you beer got on your back. Go on. Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Watchmen stuff is uh, coming coming right right into DC Comics. I want to talk about that last. I kind of have a... You a... blipped out of eternity for about two seconds, and when you came back, there was beer on your back. <laughs> there was beer on my back, and everything's sticky. <laughs> what, what happened to me? Lightning. Fire. Power of God or something. I've missed the soundboard. <laughs> You can't get this in day to day life. You can't just punctuate your conversations. It's true. It sucks. I'm I want sorry. theme music and a soundboard. Otherwise, I can't function in the world. And a <laughs> rocket. I need a rocket. Mm. Some form of rocket launcher. I want my jetpack. And a bunker. And a bunker. With we have which a basement. To defend. If I had all of these things, things would be different, man. Okay. <laughs> Uh, all right. Do, do you want to talk some comics? I do want to talk about uh, the the latest Batman last. Okay. Just because uh, I think we all know I'm going to get a get up a good head of steam on that one, and it will keep people through the remainder of the episode. That's See, I'm fine. learning. I can just I can just sit here for the remainder of the episode and play with the lenticular cover. <laughs> Amanda's literally <laughs> rocking left <laughs> and right and left and right, looking at the lenticular cover. <laughs> Batman holding the comedian badge. That should only ever be fan art. Yeah. <laughs> it's on the cover of Batman. We'll get to that one. We'll <laughs> just picking it up and showing it to me. Pretty. It, it, it looks like, at this angle, it looks like uh, Batman and Flash have uh, been merged by some angry god. 
I'll put it underneath everything. All right. Let, let's actually start with a Marvel comic. We'll start with a good Marvel comic. Oh, okay. I grabbed the right one then. Yes. So Nick Fury, number one, uh, written by James Robinson, art by uh, Akko. Yep. It, what kind of parents would name their kid that? No first name, just <laughs> no Akko, first like Madonna. Name. Yeah. Madonna. Or it could be, actually it must be Akko, because otherwise, with a soft C, it's Asso, and nobody's walking around, like, what, who are you? Asso. Well, fuck you, man. <laughs> Showtime, a-holes. Close. <laughs> uh, yeah, this one was a surprise, because I expected nothing from this book, because I don't care about the new Nick Fury at all. Mm. Uh, he's got no history, he's been nothing but a gimmick to make Nick Fury in the comics look like Nick Fury in the movies. Right. And they went to a whole big, long, convoluted thing to have Nick Fury have a son he didn't know about uh, who changed his name to Nick Fury Jr. And then when Nick Fury became the new Watcher, he became the new Nick Fury. And I don't know why they went to all this trouble considering once they went through Secret Wars, <coughs> they brought Miles Morales, just popped him over. To, why didn't they just do that with Nick Fury from the Ultimate Universe? Because I, reasons. Because doing the story this way <laughs> made me buy a whole bunch of comic books I otherwise would have never bought. I don't know, maybe. Perhaps. I, I'm not sure I didn't buy them. I didn't care about Nick Fury. <laughs> um, so yeah, I only bought this because it was James Robinson, you know, who, who I like. His Scarlet Witch didn't do a lot for me, mm. but it, it's Scarlet Witch. J.D. Salinger could write Scarlet Witch, and I don't think I'd give a shit. I don't think it would matter to me. If, if J.D. Salinger wrote The Scarlet Witch, then nobody would be, ever be allowed to write The Scarlet Witch again, and there would be lawsuits from his estate in perpetuity. That'd be all right. It's Scarlet Witch. It's not <laughs> Batman, for Christ's sake. No, <laughs> we're not losing. I'd like to write a sequel to The Scarlet Witch story? No. Get off my lawn. <laughs> what you just said, nobody's ever said. <laughs> I'd like to write a new Scarlet Witch. You get assigned The Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch happens to you as you're breaking into comics. <laughs> What is this thing happening to me? <laughs> we call it the Scarlet Witch. Good news, kid. We're giving you Scarlet Witch. Oh, I wish I was dead. <laughs> <laughs> but it, so yeah, his Scarlet Witch didn't do anything for me because Scarlet Witch doesn't do anything for me. I think his Fantastic Four was better than it got credit for, and he'll always get a pass for me uh, because of Starman and Golden Age. Now he'd say he some stuff's better than others, but I'll always give him a try, and I'm glad I did with this one because. And you can correct me if you don't agree. This book is really fucking good. I mean, it's... It was okay. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, then you start. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I just... I don't think I was as taken with it as you were, mostly because I I felt like the art, while ambitious, uh, was visually overwhelming and difficult to follow. I can understand what you're saying. The, uh, the layouts were not in any way traditional, uh, which I did have a little bit of a problem with. I found that overall there were enough visual cues to show where to move around on the page. Uh, unlike, and I'm trying to think of a, a Batwoman this week. I don't know if you've read that yet. I have not. There's at least one, maybe two, uh, two-page layouts where it's just shits thrown down. There's a bubble over here and a word balloon over here. And, uh, the, and with absolutely no, I really had problems deciphering how I was supposed to read it. Yeah. And I can see how you could have a similar opinion to this because it was not traditional. And I did have to stop and think, and I'm generally against that. I'm willing to give it somewhat of a pass because there were enough cues to move you around the page. Now that said, uh, there were, you know, little... The images, and he tried to get tricky a few times to to show, oh, here's a quick sequence of events that was not particularly clear. 
in general, it's not as bad as these kind of things could be. But it's, I, I get your point, and, and I, I agree up to a point. Visually, it was more confusing than it had to be, but yeah. it was not as bad as even other books I've seen. I, I really think, for the most part, unless there is a particular burning reason to go across the spine of the book, and I, the only really burning reason I can think of is if you have a splash that requires two pages, Yeah, there's no reason to do it. It there are so many writers who are writing these things and then artists who just aren't good at figuring out how to put the cues that you're even supposed to go across the spine of the page. Yeah. I've seen, I'm trying to think of books this week where across the top of the page, it's like three panels on each page. And the pan, none of the panels at the top of the page cross the spine. So you think you're already being told, I'm going down one page, but the first clue it's supposed to go across pages is two rows of panels down, and then you get to go back and reread it, and that really irritates the shit out of me. I, I, comics, writers, creators, artists, stop going across the fucking spine. <laughs> you have a double-page spread or everything on one fucking page. Yes. I have spoken! <laughs> Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines. I didn't quit amphetamines. <laughs> <laughs> they quit me. Yeah. All right. See, you're you're bringing me back to yeah. There are certain things that should not have happened in this book. Uh, I just I, I just feel like it it was very visually ambitious, but at the expense of of telling much of the story. I mean, it was a quick one and done in a way. Unless we're going to see this Frankie Noble Legion of Hydra again at some point. Oh, I'm sure we will. But I, I feel like I would have gotten more out of an episode of Archer. Uh, <laughs> just, <laughs> and it would have been easier to follow. <laughs> okay. See. In- of the overall quality of the book, I'll, I'll spot you the visuals were not as clear as they could be. Overall, what I liked was, number one, it is a one and done. Yeah. Which I like as an introduction to... This is not an introduction to Nick Fury, but, uh, you know, if, if I'm Joe Blow picking it up off the... I haven't read the 76 issues of, oh, here's how uh, whatever his name is becomes Nick Fury Jr. or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a good introduction to it, and it moves. It tells a complete story in... 20 pages. Yeah, so, and you don't get that very much these days, and I like it. Uh, I also like this is really, and this is James Bond. This all but name checks James Bond. True. Which is what Nick Fury was always after the Howling Commandos. When S.H.I.E.L.D. started, it was Stan Lee and Marvel's chance to tell fucking James Bond stories. They saw James Bond was doing well in the theaters. They created you know, their own MI6. <laughs> so. I mean, it's easy to forget now that it's this big international police force and they've got a press agent and a website and a Facebook page and they probably have fucking helicarrier toys to convince people, oh, maybe it would be cool to work for S.H.I.E.L.D. when even the fucking accountants have to wear blue spandex to work. (laughs) Back in the day, S.H.I.E.L.D. was secret. (laughs) They had underground bases and false front buildings and it was a James Bond story. Although even higher tech because there's no special effects budget. Yes. If James Bond has a submarine car, fuck it, we'll have flying cars. And it's it was a spy story. And, and that's what this was, uh, which which I liked a lot. Uh, the whole 60s feel gets laid on. Before we even go to the 60s, the James Bond stuff is just everywhere. This, yeah. Well, uh, they, he I, walks into a casino. He walks into a casino. He's got James Bond's watch. Yep. <laughs> um. And it's, of course, a gimmick watch that does a bunch of spy shit. The guy... Seems to Bluetooth with his eye patch. 
<laughs> yeah, and the, yeah. His, even his eye patch is a spy eye patch that can see through walls. Yeah. Now, my question is, how does he see anything? Considering it's not an affectation. There's no eye behind that patch. It does science? Yeah. Does he have an implant in his skull <laughs> that the eye patch connects to? Is the eye patch USB? <laughs> Every morning, does he go, fuck, because he tries to put his eye patch on upside down because it's USB. He puts it on the wrong way. It's it's a little weird, but fuck it. It's a or big... does it use a lightning cable, in which case it's going to be changed to something else in the next six months, and you have to buy a whole new charging system. It is a white eye patch, so it probably is fucking Apple. <laughs> God damn it. It's an eye patch. Eye patch. God damn it. You got there <laughs> half a second before I did. That's... <laughs> eye patch. Oh. I wish I was dead. I feel bad about us. <laughs> That's fucking horrible. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, the guy he's trying to steal from. His name is, uh, was it, Oric Goodfellow. Oh, yeah, that's very, very Bond. I mean, it's, uh, Goldfinger was Oric Goldfinger. Right. Yeah, they might as well have just called him Goldfinger. Use some of that Marvel Studios money to defend the lawsuit. Just make it absolutely <laughs> clear what you're doing. Uh, His evil nemesis turns out to be a hot babe with two hot babe minions. Oh, yeah. Although, that that's the one area where this could fall down. I'll get to that in a second. Yeah, Akko, he layers in uh, these 60s pop code. Like, all the, uh, the sound effects mm. have big explosions behind them. Like, they came straight out of the Batman TV show. Uh, and I, I want to say Goldfinger. Uh, Goodfellows. <laughs> yes. In his office, he's got a Warhol-style... Red Skull painting yes. that I didn't realize until I read this book I desperately want. <laughs> <laughs> I want right. that in my life. Your birthday's coming. Uh, <laughs> don't remind me. Shit. <laughs> so it, it really is very much retro-ish. Yeah, and it's it has everything from a Bond flick in 20 pages. It's got the casino scene. Like you said, it's got the spy toys. Yep. It's got the car chase. Uh, it's he got has the, his flying car. He's got the flying car. He's got a fucking boat chase. Yep. Uh, there's a femme fatale with a goofy name that Fury uses to make a stupid pun at the end. <laughs> you know, which is a, it's it's a James Bond movie in 20 pages, which I thought was cool. I mean, it, it moves. There's a lot of action. It doesn't really stop. It, it's I thought it was one of the probably the most exciting one and done debut since Mark Wade's Black Widow. Well, another spy story where. A whole bunch of Bond style action, very little words. Yeah, <clears throat> which is an easy thing to do. And you know, James Bond is such a part of the cultural know-how, zeitgeist. I don't know. I, I was told I wouldn't cultural have to know words. Collective unconscious. I don't know. Collective consciousness. Yes. There we go. Some one of us has brains. <laughs> one of us didn't pour whiskey into a computer, wasting both a computer and whiskey. I'm an asshole. I'm the worst person in the world. I tried to get you to go to bed. I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> I should have. I should have. But getting away from the book here. Um, yeah, it's a, the one problem I had, and I don't know if you picked up on this, uh, this book closes with, yeah, what was the character's name? Frankie Noble? Yeah. When she gets out of the water and climbs up on the rock to face down Fury and basically dare him to kill her, pulls off a wig wig and is bald underneath. And all I could think was, oh, Robinson, are you getting ready to write another shitty, unrealistic trans character and get the entire gay community fucking pissed at you again like you did with Airboy? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) 
it's it's. I hard. mean, we may not find out. When has he written something that's lasted longer than five issues these days? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> the, although Fantastic Four it went like eighteen or twenty-four. Okay. I mean, that's, I like him as a writer, but I just feel like you know, I'll I'll, I'll get started, and then uh, Marvel will tell me no. We really only ever intended it to be a limited edition. <laughs> it's possible because um, we can't call things limited editions because nobody will buy them. Oh, all right, let's not get. <laughs> The Marvel Retailers Summit. We talked about that in the last show. It's hard to remember. It's it was hard like to four remember. years ago. I think so. I forget the last time. We I did think you this. still had beer and it wasn't like on your back. <laughs> it was in the fridge where it belonged. Oh, that's right. I got it at the liquor store. Okay, that's uh thank you for listening. <laughs> I think I got more out of this book than you did. Uh I I agree with you up to a point on the art. It does require stopping and thinking, and that's not something I, I necessarily it's not something I agree with. It should have been clearer. But, uh, yeah. Yes, it was all right. I thought it was fast-paced. It was a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be. And, hey, look, let's. it's at least a pretty good Marvel book that has sweet fuck-all to do with Secret Empire. Uh, that makes it better automatically. Yeah. You want to talk about Secret Empire? Secret Empire Zero, written by Nick Spencer. Dar- For a dollar more. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, five bucks. Five fucking dollars. Yeah, written by Nick Spencer, dart by uh, dart, art by Daniel uh, Acuna. What kind of parents would name a kid that? Acuna. There's, there's a tilde. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> a what? <laughs> You're so pleasant. <laughs> you go to hell. <laughs> you just want to suck the joy out of everything. That that was meant for me. I, I know. <laughs> but so yeah, another big Marvel event. Here we fucking go again. Um, do you want to start with this? Um, I. I'm I'm <laughs> I have I have feelings. <laughs> On the one hand, it's really shitty that they're making Captain America a full-on Nazi. <laughs> and let's just call it what it is because it is. On the other hand, he he exiled Carol Danvers from the earth and I, that kind of gives me a warm fuzzy. <laughs> I don't I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this. I I'm conflicted. I want beer. <laughs> I, I just want to go fetal for a while and wait for the trade paperback. <laughs> That's all. That's <laughs> Amanda, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I will. We're uh, gonna spoil this, by the way. Yes, <laughs> we're, we're we're spoiling every book we're we're talking about. Yeah, look, I will. I'll start with a positive, and there is some. It has good dialogue. Mm. Reading Gamora saying, "I will make the last one left my pet." I will name it Snuggles. When talking about a bunch of invading Chitari warriors, yes. uh, that's worth at least a buck of the $5 price. Uh, and yes, seeing Captain Marvel, uh, no, Captain America rank out Captain Marvel and say, you're the greatest threat to Earth and basically just dismiss her. Yes, that was cathartic after Civil War II. I'm not sure getting that cathartic moment was worth what we're staring down the barrel of. Although I'm... I'm not entirely sure how this works out for Captain America's grand plans because America Chavez is out there with everybody. Can't she just phase them back onto Earth? I don't know. I don't know how this works. Look, this this plan has a lot of fucking problems. Captain yeah, isn't America's. that kind of her thing? She can just open up portals to places. Oh, so can Cloak and uh, Cloak from Cloak and Dagger. Yeah, uh, which I noted. So can Nightcrawler. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of problems here. Okay. I mean, just, and Tony Stark's uh, apparent uh, resurrection? 
I think it's this is another goddamn problem with Marvel and fucking events because I read this week's Invincible Iron Man and in Iron Man, Tony Stark is still just an AI in uh, Riri Williams' Ironheart suit. Clearly there was a scheduling problem either on Spencer's or Bendis's part or something. I think what we see as Tony Stark walking around is actually just the Iron Man AI in an older Iron Man suit. Okay. I think. I'm speculating. No, Either way, it hasn't been explained anywhere else. Well, Just, and yes, there's, yeah. there's something calling itself Tony Stark actually walking around, and that's weird. Yes. So that, that's a problem. Yeah, and, especially and it, since some of the solicits explicitly say that he's coming back. So is he back? Is he just an AI in this? That Spencer should have made that slightly clearer. It, Marvel should have made it slightly clearer. Yeah, this is another thing where I don't know if you've read uh, the the latest Steve Rogers Captain America, which have. came out this week. Yeah, but right at the beginning of it, it says, "Oh, don't read this before you read Thunderbolts, whatever." And immediately, I got great. This is the same goddamn Marvel shit where it's you know, oh, you only have to read the main book, except that's a boldface fucking lie. There's story shit going on in these side books, and if you don't explain it, nobody knows what the fuck is going on. Yeah. So it's this is yet another Marvel event where it's clearly going to be. Yes, by these, I don't even know how many issues this is supposed to be. Six, eight, it feels like 90. But <laughs> however many issues, it's really, and actually you really need to be, buy about 75 comics in order to know what's going on. And I don't give a fuck what's going on. I really don't care. Yeah, I just, I want them to get back to to the status quo. I, yeah, That's the problem. This has been their status quo for three years. Let's do another event and make heroes punch on each other and make everything look dark and terrible uh, and fundamentally, if not explicitly, destroy the world and then pretend that didn't happen uh, and then come back and do it again in two more months, except this time with (laughs) X-Men. That's just what Marvel is right now. And I think they know they're in trouble because they're really trying to say, you know, on top of their bullshit of saying, oh, well, DC and their return policy are ruining us. And, oh, it turns out $299 books are ruining us. And, well, no, the problem is these stories are not great. Yeah. And it's constantly the end of the world. And heroes fighting heroes, done it. Done it repeatedly for the last 10 years. Uh, I don't need it anymore. So. (laughs) Yeah, and... I the one thing I did take from this was when uh, Steve revealed himself to be Hydra in front of Sharon. Uh, I did feel for her. It's a, look. Spencer did some solid plotting to put this together. Now it's the story points and how everything comes together in Steve's plan. It, it's well thought out up to a point. Certain things are kind of thin, and if you stop and think about it for too long, they kind of fall apart. But yeah, the plan that puts most of the cosmic players outside the planetary shield. The fact that Spencer had the dark humor and kind of the audacity to recognize that, yeah, that old joke, and he flat out says it in the book, the old joke that, why would anybody live in New York? That's where all the superheroes live. <laughs> and then saying, well, the key is if you take out New York, you take out all the superheroes. That's kind of inspired. It's uh, even the conceit that Hydra... That Hydra is telling Cap that, oh no, the entire history of the Marvel Universe that you're aware of, the Allies did that because they were losing the war, so they had a cosmic cube and rewrote it. It was never true. This new reality is the truth. All right, it's kind of clever. Yeah, the the problem with it is it's just a well-constructed version of the same old shit. Yeah. And we're getting the same old shit right out of the gate. Number one, a zero issue that 
carted us with five bucks. None of these books need to be five fucking dollars. No. And the solicits already are, are getting back into the whole Miles Morales is going to kill Steve Rogers. So you kind of know how this is going to play out. Yeah. That's, we know exactly how it's going to play out. When you open a story with the conceit that the cosmic cube has rewritten reality, oh no, how are we going to rewrite reality? What, are we, what can we possibly use? Beer. <laughs> that only works for one night at a time. <laughs> That's the problem with this book. Since it's glossy paper, if I pour Irish whiskey on it, it won't be destroyed. <laughs> $5. <laughs> Make mine marble. <laughs> it's... That's the hell of it, because it, it is pretty well constructed. It beats the shit out of the beginning of Civil War Two. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it's more, uh, we've already got two superheroes killed, uh, Quasar and Hyperion. Yep. Uh, it's more heroes against heroes. It's yet another story where a Marvel character is given a huge amount of federal power in the aftermath of a big alien invasion. Although I have difficulty with how easily those two, I mean, those those are two of their, their biggest hitters. And for them to have just gone down that easily in a space fight. It's, <laughs> number one, it gets Hyperion's them, supposed to be fucking Superman. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it gets them off the board so okay. that the rest of the story can happen. It's the same way, why did I, I have less of a problem with that? Because number one, I don't give a tin shit about either character. Mm. You could kill him in the, even though we know they're going to come back because it's a moral event. And nobody dies. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> when the I, cosmic cube re rewrites everything. Uh, yeah. They'll come back, but you could leave them dead. I don't give a yeah. shit about either of these characters. Once Mark Gruenwell put down his pen <laughs> on Hyperion and the original, uh, squadron, squadron Supreme. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You could have killed the character right there. That would have been fine with me. Uh, but I'm okay with it. Fine. Get them off the board so they're not a problem and anything has to worry about. It's the same reason. It's like, huh, why did it take the Illuminati this long to shoot Hulk into space? Mm. Well, for the first Civil War, you can't really have the Hulk around because whoever's got the Hulk wins. Yeah. So it's, all right, for story convenience, fine. We'll kill a couple of the heavy hitters to make it look like it matter. Oh, look, we're killing people. It's important. No, it's fucking not. When in previous events you've killed Captain America and fucking Thor and they're alive again by the end. Yeah. Fear itself. <laughs> God damn it. I'm still pissed about fear itself. Are you? Yes, are, I am. Are you pissed enough? <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> so, yes, it's more, it's dark rain again, except with Captain America instead of Norman Osborn. Yeah. And it's just, it's depressing because for any of this to work, to have any really real stakes in this. It requires you to dislike Captain America and Spencer's doing that, but that's not fun. No. Yeah. I don't need escapist entertainment. I don't need to be spoon fed, but it's Sharon Carter is us in this book. Yeah. It's, it's us except we, we saw it a year ago with that first hail Hydra at the end of Steve Rogers, Captain America one. I agree, but that, that is all the more reason why, this whole bullshit about creating a storyline where Miles Morales is eventually going to kill Steve Rogers. This, this one should be on Sharon Carter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it should be. It's, <sighs> or Bucky. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not the worst put together book. It really isn't. It's just all the signals are pointing to another goddamn disappointing Marvel event that changes everything except nothing fucking changes. Yeah. And uh, that ultimately doesn't matter. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, Jesus. In Independence Day, you know, th- that thing was about as deep as a urine sample. <laughs> but the White House blew up. There were consequences to the aliens <laughs> coming, you know? Yes. <laughs> it's uh, this... And the problem is, there are certain areas where if you look at it too close, they, they start to fall apart. You know, you can already see how this story is going to end. You know, for any of this to work at all, Cap has to continue to lie to maintain his federal powers. Yes. You know, because otherwise the feds can, you know, I don't know, take him away or arrest him or rendition him to Latveria or some shit. It's, oh, you're with Hydra? You're under arrest. And yeah, where's Doom in this? Uh, who knows? <laughs> I don't know. I can't see Doom letting this go down because then he wouldn't be in charge. <laughs> no, he's kind of a good guy now, an infamous Iron Man, infamous Iron Man. Right. But still, this has got to irritate. Still. Chafe a little bit. <laughs> I hope so. Because <laughs> there's a reason I don't think we've talked about infamous Iron Man. It's not that good. Yeah. Okay, all it takes is somebody to find out he's working with Hydra. And he's not exactly being particularly quiet about it right now. Mm. Then he loses all his power. But even if... Cap resists that and says, no, I'm not giving my power up. I don't believe that Hydra has the manpower to take on the United States military. I don't care how many people they've convinced. Yeah. I don't think they're going to be able to do it. And I know that in the story, you know, the conceit is Hydra's got these seven nukes on Savakia that they're... Uh, Sokovia, oh, yeah. Sokovia, yeah. If anybody's going to come after us, you know, we're going to nuke Europe. And that's terrifying because God knows the United States would never authorize a preemptive strike on another sovereign nation that we suspected of having weapons of mass destruction. The United States would never fucking do that. We're, but we're not going to get political. We'd have, <laughs> I'm just saying, if... <laughs> If a country had nukes like that, North Korea is one thing because if you fuck with them, they flat out destroy. You know, you'd have to nuke them. Yeah. And North- they're too close to Japan and South Korea and other allies that we have. Right. Uh, but even then, it's with standard uh, artillery, supposedly, they can wipe out South Korea. So you got to be kind of, you know, Sokovia, just nuke it flat. Who cares? <laughs> You mean like a mother of all bombs? Number, number one, stop it. <laughs> number one, it's it's imaginary, which makes it easier. If only you had somebody like the Scarlet Witch, you could just rip it out of the earth. Fuck the Scarlet Witch. <laughs> yeah, why isn't the Scarlet Witch doing something about this? No more Captain America. <laughs> no more Hydra. No more Hydra. <laughs> no more events. Say no more events, Scarlet Witch. You're in your keep for Christ's sake. <laughs> You were in the first comic book I ever fucking bought. Be worth something for once. <laughs> yeah, and we just we know that this is going to end with the Cosmic Cube turning everything back. And I suppose that's the one positive thing. If Marvel really is feeling the pinch, if they really f- whether they understand how they got themselves into this hole, if they recognize we're in this hole and DC's eating our lunch, and DC turned it around with a rebirth, you've got a perfect opportunity to do this final fucking thing and have the cosmic cube change everything. Yeah. Make it your own rebirth. And that would be fine. Fr- frankly, part of me wants that. And you know, instead we're looking down the barrel of this generations thing where we're going to have, you know, new Spider-Man and old Spider-Man and female Thor and Odinson and just <laughs> just pull the pull the trigger. It worked for DC. I, I hate they've used Watchmen with it, but it's worked for DC. <laughs> just say, you know what? And shit's different. Comics, who cares? Miracle Man's behind this. Yeah, that's it. That was... <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I can... <laughs> it's all clear to me now. <laughs> <laughs> Axel Alonso 
is sitting there going, God, DC used an Alan Moore character who Rob loves <laughs> to recreate the DC universe. We have an Alan Moore character that Rob <laughs> loves that shouldn't be in the Marvel universe. <laughs> That's what's going to fucking happen. God damn it. Hey, Axel, we're, we're already behind on, on, on the book. I mean... That's okay. That works for us. Now we can change the whole storyline. Get Bendis on this. No! Stop giving Bendis shit. Give him a crime call. He'll drag it out and add an extra three issues because he'll decide he wants to change the ending at the last moment. Oh, yeah. Be fine. And, and he'll somehow invalidate all of Alan Moore's and Neil Gaiman's Miracle Man. Yeah. All of it at the same time. Yep. And I'll read that comic and be, oh, I wish I was dead. <laughs> Yep, Miracle Man's behind this. I've decided. Oh God, you're right. The parallels are perfect. And I, right now, I don't think I don't think Marvel has enough imagination except to say, "Hey, we got a thing that we can use." Alan Moore doesn't like us anymore either. We can do this. It's fine. Maybe it's Kid Miracle Man. We don't know. <laughs> don't make it worse. When it comes to Marvel events, I feel like I'm in an abusive relationship. <laughs> Like every Friday night, Marvel gets drunk and disappoints me. <laughs> but I keep coming back. <laughs> oh, after three beers, Marvel's charming and funny. Maybe this time he won't empty the fridge of beer and bash my head apart with a toilet seat. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> More likely. <laughs> he'll do that, and then he'll tell you that it was your own fault. And if you'd only bought more books... <laughs> They wouldn't have oh. had to tell you at the last moment that it was a limited series. <laughs> why do we? Why do you make me make you buy these books? It was a planned run of only eight books. Oh Jesus! <laughs> it's the the hell of it is the the plotting and execution on this means this individual issue. It's hard for me to say I hate it, but I'm not stupid enough to think it's going to turn out well. Yeah. So if you're just looking at this book, there's some clever plot. There's some fun dialogue. It really is an intricate movement of characters and pieces and parts for all of it to work out. It's an interesting read, but it's going to lead to a place I don't want to go. Yes. So as an individual issue, it's fine. I'm not looking forward to the rest of it. No. Unfortunately, we have a comics podcast, which means <laughs> I'm going to wind up fucking reading it anyway. We <laughs> call this hate reading. <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah. Now put your hands together for the man who's falling apart before our eyes. Let's switch back to a book that I liked. Okay. So not Batman. <laughs> Shaolin Cowboy, Who'll Stop the Rain, number one. Very nice. uh, written and drawn by Jeff Darrow. I'm going to start with Buddhist Hootspa will be the name of my next punk band. I think it should be. <laughs> no, I just I need to learn an instrument. <laughs> Because even punk musicians are better musicians than I am. So just beating your head against the wall repeatedly isn't really a form of just rhythm? Uh, if it is, hey, I'm a musician. Go me. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is, a, this is a fun book. I mean, he's such a tremendous artist. You want to talk about something that's visually ambitious and also a pleasure to read. <laughs> yeah, th there's no problem following it. There's It rewards reading carefully and rereading. Yes, because uh, there's just, you will always find something more that you didn't see before. Yeah, like apparently cats can smoke in this reality. Yeah, it's it's the weird thing. I'm way behind on Shaolin Cowboy, because the original books were from the Wachowskis' Burly Man comics. Mm -hmm. 
from like uh, early in the 2000s. You know, they were feeling their oats with some of that Matrix money, and they tried to come out with their own uh, comics. And they always came out irregularly, and they were hard to find. The only place I knew of that carried them on a regular basis was Comicopia in uh, Kenmore Square near Fenway Park. And, you know, unless you're there all the time, it's hard to get books. Right. So, yeah, I missed all the original issues. There was a trade paperback of the original stories that came out in 2014 that I missed. And I was doing research. The only place I was able to find a copy online is a used bookstore in New Hampshire for the <laughs> low, low affordable price of $1,100. Good Lord. Uh, that said, I've got a VPN and BitTorrent. So at some point... <laughs> and, and we need a new couch. Oh, come on. <laughs> Why? Because you poured beer on it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's a, all right, I can, I can reach out and cowboy or have a place to plant my ass. <laughs> that's toughen. That's a tricky one. Yes. So, uh, so, yeah, I don't know who all the characters in this are. I don't know who King Crab is. Uh, apparently, we've seen him before. I, it seems like it. I don't know. But it's, it doesn't really matter. Because I, I ran into the same problems with the last uh, Shaolin Cowboy series, which I did get uh, from Dark Horse. And I, I didn't, okay, why are there zombies? There are. Okay. <laughs> uh, same thing with this. Uh, there's a crab driving a Nazi woman by the top of the head. Yes. Okay. Just go with it. <laughs> Fine with me. Just go with it. I don't understand what's going on, but uh, look at all the shit on the floor of this Nazi bar. Why these dogs have knives for front legs. That's not a thing I've seen before. <laughs> this cockroach is screaming in pain as a cigarette hits it. It's Yeah, the, the, the anamorphic animals in this are, are kind of hysterical. <laughs> yeah, it, it opens up with vultures having a conversation of which... And it's the zombies that the cowboy killed at the end of the last series uh, a yeah. year or two ago, uh, deciding which ones they're going to eat. <laughs> With the cowboy basically unconscious, killing the three of them in a spectacular ninja style it, way. It's really quite quite the opening. <laughs> yeah, it's, he does graphic violence like that ever since Hard Boiled, which is the first time I saw any of his stuff. <laughs> it's, he does really good violence. Yeah. And yeah, just the the level of detail in both the art and the text. And it, it's the same with any Darrow book. There's just so much stuff lying around. Yeah. The little body parts in goofy positions and semi-barely double entendre product names. The one that stuck out to me was Beer and Cox. Yes. Cox with a Q. It was a liquor yes. and chicken store. <laughs> and there were a few others in there. You got the book open and... It's, the problem is some of these things are way in the background, so to dig them out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's... There was one, I think, in the top left corner of the back splash, the final splash, the double pager. Mm. Is there anything there? Oh, there's all kinds of stuff. There's, um, pump it here, grab a piece of gas, fill her up, stop here, <laughs> um, OMG, and... Yeah, there's a, a topless woman who appear to have uh, the words Ethel and regular uh, tattooed over her nipples. <laughs> and above that... Oh, shit, I dated her. <laughs> and above that is what appears to be a pterodactyl holding a lizard just hanging out on a phone line, as one does. Of course. Whatever weird post-apocalyptic nuclear-fired America that still has highways, apparently, and uh, a functioning tax system, it's just... it's a interesting goofy violent world it's almost it's almost a roadrunner cartoon it really is it's it's 
like you know this this redneck who can't stop watching hentai porn on his phone while he's driving yeah <laughs> and and that's the thing it's darrow is really good at simultaneously building tension and comedy because yeah as this dude in a truck who's yeah he's on the phone and he's texting he's looking at hentai and he's bearing down on the cowboy who's sitting in the middle of the highway doing psychic battle with uh some judge from hell. Yes. Uh, warden from hell. Warden yeah. from hell. That's right. The judges sent the warden. That's, that's important. We'll talk about it in a second. <laughs> but so he's building tension because it's a lot of panels as he approaches and gets closer and closer. So there is a tension and shit, he's going to get run down. Well, at the same time, yeah, this dipshit's talking about, oh, I got no child support payments and my wife never puts out and I love that hente. I just love that hente. <laughs> So it's you're kind of giggling at what this guy's saying, while at the same time it's like, ah, oh, shit, this is not going to end well. And then spectacular escape by the cowboy. Of course, of course, the truck has trucks, truck nuts. Of course, and of course, a Jeff Darrow character is going to grab the nuts <laughs> in, a, in an interesting, well choreographed way. Well choreographed nut grabbing. That can't be a title. No, we'll we'll no. be canceled immediately. Oh, also on this uh, on this page. Uh, the, the the double double page splash the garage right near where the the car crash happens uh, is called the pussy garage. Okay. <laughs> and there's um, women in bikinis inside. Um, I think I need an oil change. Be right back. <laughs> <laughs> but it's and particularly that final double page spread. One thing Darrow's kind of known for, particularly going back to hard boiled, is he'll do these big splashes, particularly of of car accidents or various collisions right at the moment of maximum kinetic energy. Yeah. So there's glass flying everywhere. And in this particular one, the yeah, hente driver hits the airbag and the cowboys flying through the air and all this stuff. And it's, it's really interesting how he puts it together because there's so much detail and so much chaos. Yeah. It's just something you could sit there and pour over it. Cause it's something you find something new every single time. You know, right down to the corners. It's just it's really cool art to look at. Yeah, it there's a lot going on and even with the design of this warden, there's there's like faces within faces in, in this guy's armor. <laughs> oh yeah. And that's where following the text is just as important. Because in that battle, it starts out with the warden saying, oh, these 10 judges of hell, and he spouts off 10 names, and it's the kind of thing you could just go, uh, and, whatever. And, and Cliff Chiang. Yeah, but <laughs> if you don't read each one, yeah, you'll miss that little joke. Yep. And uh, it's the same thing where, uh, due to a technicality, the, the warden has to discover the cowboy's true name in order to claim his soul, and he's just spitting names out, and some of them are just ridiculous Susan? and goofy and yeah. funny. Like- <laughs> But it's it's an easy thing. So you're really rewarded in closely reading all the text and looking at every single panel. Yeah. It's just and, and this was this is a four dollar book, and you get five times the content of five dollars Secret Empire. It's true. You know, for the same it's it's a really fun, it's a beautiful book where I don't know half the backstory of this character, and I do not care. <laughs> it doesn't matter. One of the names he tries is bourbon. <laughs> Bourbon, uh, <laughs> shit, he got my true name. <laughs> but yeah, no, this is, this is just a great book. And then even this goofy thing on the back, here the Shaolin co- cowboy finds himself in the doghouse when he agrees to help the sick 
Stick Chaser clan recover their long-lost mystic bone of contention from the Valley of the Dreaming Duck right off Route 21. <laughs> so anyway, it, and it's, it's, yeah, it's this picture of the Shaolin cowboy fighting what appears to be um, a large uh, roaster broiler. Okay. And there are several dogs that are helping. God, this is this is fun. <laughs> uh, this is a fun, beautiful book with a lot of humor and a lot of cool action. And I'm not a kung fu guy. Yeah. But the <laughs> a middle-aged, semi-elderly cowboy sliding down the blade of a giant ghost warden's sword to defeat his claim from hell by kicking him in the face. I'm sorry, that's awesome whether you like kung fu or not. It is. It is. No, it's... If we had to pick a winner this week, this is it. Yes, this this one. To to me, uh, Nick Fury one was not better than this, but it was it was solid. They're they're both good buys, I think. This was my favorite. If you're going to spend three ninety nine, yeah, I'd say it's probably my favorite. Yeah. I, th- I think this is better than Nick Fury, even though Nick Fury tries to get a lot of detail with the art in. Yeah, this is just all that detail is there for the taking, but following the storyline, no problem at all. It's very simple to read. You're just rewarded if you spend more time poring over it. Yes. So, all right, yeah, I think we agree. This is both both of our book of the week. Yes. This is not. <laughs> God help us. Uh, <laughs> Batman 21, or uh, part one of The Button, written by Tom King, art by Jason Fabok. Sorry, uh, I was distracted by um, Nightwing on the Bat cover. And it's not even a butt shot. Again, <laughs> I think I bitched about this earlier. <laughs> yes. What a waste of a lenticular cover. If you have a Teen Titans ad on the back cover for one of their Blu-rays, and it's led by Nightwing, and you don't give me a butt shot in 3D. It does seem kind of like a gimme. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, I I want more for my $3.99. <laughs> Withstand the deal. <laughs> 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 All right, uh, First and then the book itself sucked. <laughs> it was not great. It was not good. Uh, do you want to start? <laughs> Where to begin? So, apparently... <laughs> and uh, Let's not start off with the Watchmen stuff, because I've got observations about the book itself. I, I <laughs> Tom King has written some spectacular individual Batman issues. With this one, he's very close to flipping my bozo bit. Bozo bit, where you're either a bozo or you're not. Right. Yeah, he's, he's close. No, I'm trying to figure out the significance of the, the hash marks in the ice in the hockey game. Is this supposed to call back to Watchmen in some fashion? It does. The first page of Watchmen was a close-up of the comedian's pin, and over the course of panels, uh, the camera backed up and zoomed out to show mm. more detail to give you a wider sense of space. So in the sense of a close-up on a circle, that's basically how Watchmen started, taking a step back. That hockey stick is not over the left eye for no reason. Yeah. That's clearly supposed to be a slash of blood reference. The thing is loaded with riffs on Watchmen. (laughs) We'll talk about it. Yeah, so... I don't know what the purpose of this book was supposed to be, honestly, other than... Yep, now we're going to pursue the issue with the button, the thing that we teased at the beginning of this. Now now we're going to get into it. We're, the Flash is 
delayed because of this hockey game that they open with because somebody dies during the hockey game. Right. Batman uh, discovers that for some reason when he puts the Watchman pin next to Psycho Pirate's mask, it unleashes some kind of energy. But before we can deal with that any further, we have in rapid succession a quick visit from his dead dad, who is apparently Batman in some other universe. Well, that's from the Flashpoint universe. I, I know, but I'm just but showing up here because reasons. Bruce needs to get some sort of closure with his dad as part of all of this. And then Reverse Flash shows up only to be killed. <laughs> Yeah, he, he didn't really make a good run of it. Yeah. I, <laughs> no pun intended. Shit. Uh, I, I'm... <laughs> <why> did, oh, <laughs> I wish I was dead. I shouldn't I mean that pun, I swear to God. It just feels like there's a lot of needless shit that happened in this book and, and taught us nothing. Yeah, ultimately we didn't learn a hell of a lot beyond just saying, okay, well, we teased Watchmen, so we got to do it. Yeah. This didn't really give us a ton of information. Um, no. This... The thing that leapt out to me, regardless of the Watchmen stuff, is this is about the seventh Tom King Batman issue in a row where Batman just gets the shit kicked out of him. Yes. He, at this point, I'm more afraid of a Batman cosplayer than I am of Tom King's Batman. He's been getting his ass kicked. I'm really worried about how many concussions he's probably taken at this point. Oh, this... If this is a human being, he's been dead since about issue 12. Yeah. it's We've spent the last three months with Bane just tuning him up. Like a hundred pages of Batman just getting his ass kicked before finally Batman gets in one headbutt to beat him. It's one headbutt versus a hundred pages of Batman getting beaten up like he swore to the ghost of his father. I will become father a chess club geek. He's just a <laughs> useless wimp. I will become a bloodstain. <laughs> <laughs> One that's shaped like Watchmen, probably. Yeah. <laughs> At least they didn't do that. In this, But, you know, and before that, yeah, it's uh, Batman was going after Bane. So this is before Bane can... Another thing where he gets his ass kicked, but at least he sort of fakes being a badass by saying, I'm going to break your damn back. Well, and then he gets punched in the teeth. Like a lot. <laughs> yeah. It, the, thing I had, the thing I had difficulty with in this is reverse flash or not, this is Batman. You know he's got like eight different ways to take out all of the major heroes in the Batcave. So presumably he's got something for Flash. Whatever he's got for Flash would work on reverse Flash. Yeah, I forget what it was because I've read Tower of Babel, which was the big, uh, I want to say Mark Wade. Yeah. Story about how Batman has a way to take everybody out. Right. Uh, and I forget if he put him in a constant state of seizure or something like that. That feels right, but it's been a while since I read it. But you would think he would have it at hand. <laughs> you would think. I mean, I, look, he just got off a pleasant phone call with the Flash before this happened. I doubt he was carrying his Flash repellent. Thinking, <laughs> and when Flash gets here, I'm going to give him the wedgie of his life. <laughs> I, just, I don't think that's... Hey, Barry! <laughs> I'm, I'm sure if he had a minute or two to prepare. Yeah. Because that's always the thing with Batman. He's the most dangerous person in the world, given time to prepare. Given time to prepare. So with this, he had no time to prepare. Reverse Flash just showed up. So I was okay with that. But what I wasn't okay with is Batman's supposed to be a bad motherfucker. And we spent 15 pages watching him just get his fucking tank kicked in again. Yeah, it, it it bothers me that when he finally was able to literally pin him down, 
at that point, he should have just needed the one punch to take care of things. Yes, he should have. And frankly, (laughs) even if that didn't work, when Reverse Flash ripped his foot away from the Batarang, you know, if I step on a Lego, I'm not running right away. (laughs) No, I mean, and yeah, he's got the super metabolism and blah, 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 but... It's, you're still going to hurt yourself and bleed out for a few minutes. Uh, yeah, it's it's going to take... <laughs> it's going to sting. Yeah, you, you, just, <laughs> you just got your foot jesus It's, <laughs> it's going to take at least 30, 40 seconds. Let's, let's at least be reasonable about that. So yeah, it's a completely one-sided fight. Batman literally wins by deus ex machina. Yeah. Literally, he is saved by God, according to Reverse Flash. Yes. When a story ends with that, the Greeks said, that's kind of stupid. We're going to stop doing that kind of story. <laughs> but it's okay for Batman. You know? <laughs> and the problem is, it's yet another story. Batman gets his ass kicked. Given the other Batman ass-kicked stories that Tom King has done, this whole Watchmen thing is going to wind up with Catwoman kicking Dr. Manhattan's ass while Batman bleeds in a corner. Or Gotham Girl. or <laughs> Yeah, so it's... Even before we get into the Watchmen stuff... Uh, I'm tired of this fascination King seems to have with uh, the best thing people like to watch about Batman is uh, being beaten down. Because he always comes back. (laughs) Well, yeah, and sometimes he comes back faster than others. (laughs) Yes. And um, sometimes he has whole issues where he's actually winning. (laughs) Yeah. Occasionally Batman wins. Uh, You know, occasionally he's got a good plan. You know, all-star Batman this week, you know, against Ra's al Ghul. Yep, it was a. It looked like Batman was getting beaten down, and in the end, it turns out Batman had a wonderful plan to control Al Ghul's mind with Mad Hatter technology. While Batman and Alfred managed to reverse everything that Al Ghul was trying to do, it didn't need God to save him. No. <laughs> so yeah, kind of a similar beatdown-ish story, but very different in terms of how it ends. Yeah. But this one can't have a real ending because we have to deal with Watchmen for a while. So, yeah. Um, uh, I'll go with one other positive before we get too much into a... This book doesn't even have exiling Carol Danvers into space going for it. It does not. The use of the nine-panel grid, which was taken straight from Watchmen, combined with the countdown clock to show how quickly things are happening between Batman and Reverse Flash, was pretty effective for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've never really seen a technique like that, uh, so... Well, so, it also, it was, a, let's talk about time in the context of making a Watchmen, re- Watchmen reference. Yeah. So, uh, again with the time, yeah. Uh, now, you had an issue with the comedian pin reacting with the uh, Psycho Pirate's mask. I kind of like that uh, because the, part of the, right after Crisis on Infinite Earths, Psycho Pirate was supposedly the only one who remembered the previous pre-crisis universe. Yeah. So, yeah, having the comedian pin work with that sort of to have a theme of it was around this time where these things happened that allowed things to get this dark for DC Comics. I kind of like that. I thought that was all right. It just felt like really convenient that he, I mean, they spent this whole Bane run to go get this to heal, the Psycho Pirate's mask to heal Gotham Girl. Just to be a conceit so that he'd have it there for when he finally decided, all right, now I can get around to investigating the comedian pin. Apparently. <laughs> I guess. I mean, that's just as crazy as, you know, being alone in your lab around a bunch of chemicals and suddenly getting struck by lightning. It's just so random. Yeah. 
That's true. It is comics, but what the <laughs> hell? But yeah, I mean, so all right, we'll we'll do the Watchmen stuff. And yeah, this book is what happens when someone tries like hell to pretend they're Alan Moore mm-hmm. to the point of distraction, and that's the problem. It's distracting because it's everywhere from that opening page that sort of mimics the opening page of Watchmen, you know, referencing both time and the apocalypse on the first page. You know, the, the gimmick of using dialogue about something else to reference something that mirrors what the camera's actually on. Uh, like Saturn Girl screaming, I can't stop it, while the TV says, oh, these two have a history. Uh, two heavy hitters at center ice, while Batman skips the comedian pin across the back of his knuckles. Isn't Saturn Girl from the Legion? She is. And uh, it, did, I, did I miss where she suddenly is in Arkham for some reason? I think that was actually in... Uh, the first issue of DC Universe Rebirth. I think that's a thing that happened. Okay. She came back and, yeah, had the Legion flight ring, but, yeah, was presumed to be insane. Okay. The, the other question is, why the fuck is Batman watching hockey? Yeah, <laughs> I had that question as well. <laughs> Has I, anybody ever said, ah, hockey, truly the sport of sophisticated millionaires? <laughs> just That was just weird. Unless he's like, on the off chance I ever run into one, one of the goons from the Gotham squad on the street... I yeah. can study their tactics. Yeah, if, if they wash out of because the... I get beat up a lot now, <laughs> and I I need to to be ready for when the next guy kicks me in the head, <laughs> which will be in three, two, <laughs> um, and yeah, we get the you know the big wall of screens in the Batcave that's like Ozymandias, and uh, even even to the point, and I, I went back and referenced the big splash page, and there's only one splash panel in Watchmen that crosses the spine of the book. And it's when Ozymandias hits the assassin with the ashtray. Mm. The splash where reverse flash hits Batman is yes. very similarly constructed, only in reverse. Get it? Yes. No, I, I do get it. And then, yeah, we've got the nine-panel grid through you know, most of the book. So it's it's a lot of stuff that, you know, it's, it's an effective aping of Alan Moore, but what's the fucking point? Yeah, because... Uh, Batman's conceit here is kind of what he already used in in the Bane battle, where it's like, I don't need to beat you, I just need to stay functional for 11 more seconds. Like, yeah. Like, can, can we not just rely on that? How about, like, you're Batman, fucking punch him out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really does seem like Batman's strategy these days is, I'm just going to take a punch, and we're going to hope how it goes. We're going to wait him out. Rope-a-dope. Yeah. Rope-a-dope. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it apes what Moore did, but I don't get the point of it. You know, Alan Moore used a nine-panel grid all over the place because he had a shitload of world-building and information that he had to get done. And yeah, while I liked using the gimmick to show how fast Reverse Flash is, it's just taking up space while Batman watches a fucking hockey game. Yes, and, and it, waits for Flash to show up to save him. Yeah, it's distracting, and I don't get the point of using the Moore storytelling if the point of rebirth is that watchmen darken comics and ultimately damage them why would you ape that style and language i, mean, I don't know <laughs> if, if the point is darkness is bleeding into the dcu from the watchmen universe fine but i thought the point is the darkness had bled in rebirth was dc escaping that so it's just it's confusing and taking on more storytelling it, it might be a fun thing to do but it completely misses the point of what Moore did with watchmen because Watchmen was the pastiche of the Charlton Comics characters. Yes. But you can go through that whole book with no idea whatsoever that Rorschach is supposed to be the question or that Night Owl is supposed to be Blue Beetle. There weren't a lot of winks and nods to the original or to the, the creators who did the original. 
Yeah, he used them as jumping off points to comment on the archetypes. Yeah. It wasn't about who created them. The one thing I can think of is that Rorschach's philosophy seems kind of similar to Steve Ditko's, but it's not like you read Watchmen and go, oh, yep, I see wacky old Steve there. <laughs> oh, yeah, what a great homage to Ditko. No, it's just he used that as a jumping off point yes. uh, to, to address the character. And overall, Moore's entire point in Watchmen was to comment on comics. It's a comic book about comic books. Which should be dull and fucking boring, like, you know, books about writers or movies about making a movie are. The fact that it's compelling as it is, is really a testament to Moore's talent. So we've got King aping his style to tell a story about how a story about comics ruined comics. Mm. It, King's a pretty good writer, but he's not that fucking good. No. It's, <laughs> he's working in areas that don't really work out. So, and yeah, ultimately... Yeah, I don't. I don't know what was accomplished here. Yeah, we we know that the pin interacts with Psycho Pirate's mask. We know that Reverse Flash can kick Batman's ass, and we know that it doesn't matter because now Reverse Flash is dead. Yeah, uh, it seemed wasteful to bring him back only to kill him. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't understand. Yeah, ultimately, look, this Watchmen garbage has been hanging over our head for a year. Yeah, if we're gonna do this, let's just fucking do it. Rip the band-aid off. Exactly. This is like it's Saturday morning, and you know your parents are coming to visit. So, so you have to get sober. You got to kind of try yeah. to shave. And you know they're going to give you shit about something, and it's probably not going to be pleasant as as a Saturday afternoon could be. And you just want to get it over with and get them the hell out the door so you can have a few drinks and relax. But you just got to sit there and wait for it to be done. Just fucking do it. <laughs> just do it. Get Watchmen in the DCU over. Yes. Just get it done. So yeah, uh, if you absolutely if you see Watchmen and it gives you half a chub by the book, that'll work. Yeah. Um, otherwise, Shaolin Cowboy. Yeah, Shaolin <laughs> Cowboy. All right. Anything else? Or should we wrap it up? No, no. I'm uh, I'm not going to make any jokes about the world's greatest detective being able to find a button. <laughs> a clit joke. Good work. <laughs> Oh, I wish I was dead. <laughs> Don't know where you found this particular podcast, but you can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. Uh, let's see, we are on Facebook. We've been, uh, <laughs> well, we haven't been doing much of anything lately, but we get messages through there. We do. And uh, we appreciate getting them. So, yeah, you can find We're us. We're not dead. And you can like us on our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash crisisoninfinitemidlives. Uh, we are on Twitter. Twitter handle is at Infinite Midlife. We're on Tumblr, crisisoninfinitemidlives.tumblr.com. We are on iTunes, and if that's how you like to get your podcasts, you can uh, go ahead and subscribe there. And if you get a minute, give us a review, give us a rating. It helps new people find the show. Uh, where else are we? We're on Google Play. We're on Stitcher. We're on TuneIn Radio. We're proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. I think that's everything. I think that's everything. All right. So this has been episode 147, long overdue, of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening and derp. Fucking button jokes. Jesus Christ. <laughs>